This meeting is being recorded. Ooh, oh, I always forget it. when someone has that turned on that I can hear it. And welcome to Basic Niches. <laughs> Hi guys, welcome. Hi, Ashley is I'm here. Adam. I'm Tara. I'm Ashley. Yes, <laughs> you all know Ashley. She is a patron. Yep, she's a patron. Let's just say it like that. She's a red blood American patron. You will remember her from our OSHA episode and other chapters that we've done. And we are so happy to have her back. We love having Ashley. Thank you. I am so happy to be back. Yay. (laughs) We really would not be mad if Neil interrupted as well, but (laughs) because who knows how off the rails that would go. Yeah. So who knows? We might have some other special guests this episode because we are on Zoom. Tara is in Iowa. Ashley and I are in our respective homes. So Neil could waltz right in and start, you know, blessing us with his vast knowledge of the series. And then (laughs) Tara has a friend with her in her hotel room right now, Katina. So who knows? She might pop in too. You never know. These could be a bunch of surprises, these two episodes. And today we're going to discuss chapter 11 of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Hermione's helping hand. Helping hand. Yes. This is the Um, one where she finally gives Ron a hand job. (laughs) (laughs) Just like Ashley, let's give our wonderful patrons a shout out. That includes, of course, Ashley, but also Brian, Brittany, Jen, Layla, Mary Beth, Megan, Nisi, Olivia, Nicole, and Raph. As always, thank you so much for your support. And as always, if you are not on that list, please join us at patreon.com slash basic snitches. Our lowest tier is only $3 a month and you will be acknowledged in every single episode as well as get exclusive content every single week. We also have a $5 tier and a $10 tier where we post weekly blog entries, monthly completely exclusive episodes, a tarot reading once a month, and more. In this week's weekly exclusive, we look at a screen rant that we kind of agree with for once. Winner or loser of chapter 10. Do it. I have no idea who won because I could go to no one as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say that the loser is Marvolo or Marvel Rolo or whatever. <laughs> Marvel. What did that? What did I say that was Marvel something? <laughs> Not Mighty Morphin. Yes, Marvolo gone to loses because he sucks. He's pretty garbage. And I'm giving the winner to Ogden. Solid. He's just doing his job. Someone's got to do it. And it was helpful. It's helpful information for down the road. So sometimes you have shitty days at work, which is also a thing. Right? He's like, like, this was an extra shitty day. So cool. (laughs) Shitty yet historic. He has no idea how historic. Okay, so Ashley wrote a thing. Do it, babe. A thing for Adam, Tara, or whoever the fuck is going to read chapter 11. Hermione's helping hand. After Harry's first lesson with Dumbledore, this chapter returns to the usual Hogwarts shenanigans. The students have next to no free time. Harry irritates Hermione by being better at something than she is. Honestly, she has a right to be mildly annoyed here. They are expected to do nonverbal spells. Nobody actually teaches them how to do nonverbal spells, but they are expected to do them nonetheless. Because they're so busy, Harry, Ron, and Hermione have conveniently been unable to visit Hagrid to gently explain to him that they are busy enough with schoolwork and avoiding being murdered by dark forces on regular basis that they just couldn't fit in magic school approved murder maiming injury attempts into their busy schedules also r.i.p robbie coltrane sad faces on top of all that harry is quidditch captain and holding tryouts later that apparently half the school signed up for because the gryffindor quidditch team is suddenly so popular oh harry you're so sweet and dumb there (laughs) 
I do like how you did not acknowledge that it says holding trouts. But I like <laughs> that idea. Oh, it does trouts. It's auto-corrected to trouts. <laughs> I love that. They're just sitting up there holding trouts. It would make Quidditch far more interesting. I agree. <laughs> That's what they have to beat away from. It does, it does take <laughs> The trio get their mail, giving Harry another opportunity to appall Hermione regarding all things potions, then casually chat about impending doom and gloom and their ever-diminishing safety. Oh, you kids. You were never safe in the first place, as Hogwarts has been a death trap since day one. Harry leads Quidditch tryouts, which appears to be something of a circus, and we are introduced to not only Lavender Brown's crush on Ron, but also possibly one of the dumbest people to grace the Quidditch pitch, Cormac McLaggen. I think Cormac McLaggen is a whiskey I don't want to drink. Anyway, Harry somehow comes up with a decent team, I think? It's Quidditch and it makes no sense. Ron manages to get on the team, and I'm not sure he needed any extra help, Hermione. Harry, Ron, and Hermione all finally trek down to Hagrid's hut and give each other some sass before consoling Hagrid about the imminent death of the giant freaking spider in the forest, then lie through their teeth about Grubbly playing to make him happy. They all cheerfully tromp back up to the castle for dinner and Harry's detention when old Sluggy tries to get Harry and Hermione both to join him for a little dinner party, completely ignoring Ron and putting him in one of his oh-so-pleasant funks. Lucky, question mark, for them, the newspaper gives them the opportunity for some distraction and to focus Harry's not unfounded but unsettling Malfoy obsession. And finally, Snape just had to go and be a little shit about Harry's detention conflicting with Slughorn's party. Dude, seriously, why do you have to be so shitty? Harry, go take those protective gloves whether Snape tells you to or not. No kidding. <laughs> for real. I think he said no need to bring them and he's like, well, I'm gonna bring them anyway. Right? Like, before we get into the book, just overall, if you guys hear my dog, my, not my dogs, I don't have any dogs. Uh, my neighbor's dog is barking, <laughs> apologies, or Ashley coughing. Or me cough. <laughs> Listen, the air conditioner in this room is kind of loud, so also apologies for that. We all have ambient noise this episode. Yeah, ambient noise. Yes. I love it. That's right. It's ambient noise. Yeah. You tell people, Ashley, the next time you cough, um, this is ambient noise. Okay. <laughs> so let's jump in. One of the first things that I'm hit with is how often we talk about the increase of work that these kids have to do. Mm-hmm. So much work. And there are times where I'm like, I did not think that it could get worse. And of course it's gotten worse. And we always talk in tandem with like all the things they have to do, whether it's being prefect, quidditch, and it feels like they have that again. He has these special lessons with Dumble. He's got detentions with Snape. There's Slug Club. Like, there's all these other things. And I just always feel so bad for these kids and how much they have to deal with. It's really, like, a lot. Yes, it's very convenient that they don't have time to go visit Hagrid, but they're just adding on more stuff. Yeah. Even as they're doing that, they're like, also, Quidditch tryouts are tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But this is when we can go see Hagrid. And honestly, like, when we get to that scene... It sounds like that their day is waking up, having breakfast, Quidditch tryouts for fucking ever. Yeah. And then it's like dinner time and Harry's like, I have to go to detention. Yeah. Like, and they're did worrying they about meals. Lunch? Yeah, he has no time for dinner. Like he ate a rock cake and broke a tooth. Right. <laughs> Not even that, but just the fact that when they are at breakfast, they're talking about the terrible news that's going on in the world. First of all, when we're talking about like what people's priorities are, because we always tend to do that too the fact that Hermione does prioritize Hagrid is kind of nice because I feel like lately we have really been focused more on her selfishness it's interesting because even in your thing Ashley you had talked about at the beginning how Hermione's concerns I think are valid 
And then I also think back to her issues with the book just in general too, that we've seen in previous chapters. And then her ability to break the rules as well. It's like, there's this fine line that she trods Mm -hmm. so much that the name of the chapter is about that. Yeah. She has a point. I get Mm -hmm. it. There's just a better place to come from, but you know what? They're what, 16? Right. Come on. At the beginning of the next, I think she makes actually better points about the Half-Blood Prince book, like, I still don't completely mind it, because Tara and I also talked about how I'm totally on Team Harry, like, do your thing, like, you have a resource, use it, but then it starts to get a little bit out of hand in the next chapter, I think. The first time we encounter her annoyance with the book, I'm like, come on, he took the risk, and it was a reward. Now he gets worse about it, but the first time I'm like, Hermione, stop. But she's kind of prissy about everything. Yes. No, (laughs) Yes, we love her, but dear God, is she. She's coming from a place that I get, just she's being real prissy about it. Mm. When you're 16 and you're stuck with these idiot boys, what are you going to do? Yeah, now speaking of that too, because when it gets into her feeling a little bit more for Hagrid, Hermione says something along the lines of, we have to go and let him know that like we feel bad that we can't take his class. And Ron says something along the lines of, well, the, the class sucked anyways. And I'm like, Ron... You can't tell him that, Ron. Yeah. <laughs> cool the fuck down. Like, why are you being such an asshole about this? During this time, it also made me think about how in past books we really talked about, oh, this is a great book for Hermione. This is a great book for Ron, etc. And we've definitely seen that. Like, book five, for example, was not Hermione's best book, but I think it was a better book for Ron. And it was the opposite for book four. In this point, where we've seen them for really honestly five and a half years and we I think are starting to see more like a realistic human journey here of both of them having strong moments and weak moments and this is a great chapter for that I mean Um, this whole book is not just them but Harry as frustrating as Harry's half-blood prince thing is you know because like in the last book we were a little more sympathetic toward Harry and his recklessness because of everything he's gone through which you know that's very valid in this book you know he's a little more like removed from that trauma but he still has the next trauma because his life he's older and wiser like harry's concerns this whole book are fucking legit his malfoy obsession is annoying but yeah he's on the right tracks just oh you're just the tiniest bit off harry you're so close but he's so obsessed and it it gets so frustrating with everyone else we'll be talking about this so much through the book but again it's one of those things where like yep this goes exactly how it should go based on everyone's <laughs> decisions and everyone's decisions to not listen and actually have a conversation and just being like, mm, it's just this, it's just this. Mm-hmm. Everyone just assumes things, which is literally 97% of the reason why things go awry all the time. So. Speaking on Harry and his trajectory too, this isn't until quite a bit from now, but when they do go to visit Agrid, Something that we've seen multiple times now is a reaction from book five where it's like, I will not be ignored. You are going to listen to me. And he breaks down Hagrid's door. I mentioned it oh, now. Listen, I love that. I me love too. I can't wait to talk about that. Let's talk about Quidditch first because why not? Well, I, I want to just mention just that now, the, the, the door breaking down, because it shows that cause and effect of the trauma it's good to kind of mention that now when we're talking about like these peaks and valleys of like the good and the bad that the trio do because that feels like the hairy moment in this chapter for me but let's get into quidditch but first acknowledge that shan shan stunpike i've done that in every book that he has mentioned shan, stunpike. <laughs> shan has been arrested. 
they kind of talk about it potentially being like a cover up and making him a scapegoat so that like the people see something happening. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think about that? Do you think that it is? Probably a little bit. Honestly, like they just took the yeah. opportunity to say, oh, here's this guy yeah. talking big, but yeah. The history of the ministry mm-hmm. kind of shows that, you know? <laughs> Especially because he is one of these characters that early on I was like, I don't remember if we're supposed to like him because he's very jovial. He's kind of fun, you know, the thought of the night bus and everything. But this does seem like kind of out of the blue. If they're going to arrest someone, he is such a deep track. It's like you wouldn't necessarily think of him. It's almost like if, I don't know, let's say Neville's Graham or someone, like someone that you would never have thought of, but he's even more obscure than that. So it does feel like it's them making him out to be a scapegoat to an extent. Also, he's very young. And we realized that when we meet him, he is fresh out of Hogwarts. Or he was fucking homeschooled because if he's 21 now, then he was at Hogwarts with Harry. That is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> you always come that. up with these like age differences and it yeah. almost <laughs> always blows my mind. I'm like, that's right. Okay, so yeah, he's 21 here. And that would mean he was 18 when Harry rode the night bus the first time. And Harry was going into his third year. So that means yeah. the previous year. So Harry's first year, he would have been in the seventh year. And he's like, oh, are you Harry Potter? That just means that we'll bring back an old favorite, Princess Pickle 69. <laughs> oh, good. See, I agree. I do enjoy that one. That was my that favorite was, that so was, you. Ashley texted me yesterday and said she really liked that one. Yeah, Stan Shunpike. Shan Stunpike. Shan Stunpike. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty interesting. It feels almost like a Fred and George situation, maybe. But you also brought up the thing of what if he was homeschooled? And that feels like almost like a special episode. Can you be homeschooled? In a homeschooled world? wizard? Yeah. Why do they go to school before they go to Hogwarts? Right? Cool they should go to school. Right? Because they're you know, 11 when they start at Hogwarts. You can't, you have got you to know something. Like, that muggle-born children are way more better educated than wizards because they went to fucking muggle school doesn't that say something about the wizarding world where's wizard preschool i want to know because you know i want to avoid it (laughs) well i want a scene of it we might have talked about it in the past tara because i remember thinking it being along the lines of the scene in cursed child where they visit the nursing home can you imagine the magical shenanigans it would be such a fun but irritating scene i think to watch (laughs) or watch or read yeah, I would like to be on the peripheral part of this. I would, would not like to be involved. In yes, exactly. That sounds like the worst job. I don't even like normal children. <laughs> I like my, I guess, normal child. He's not normal, but I don't want to teach preschool. Yes. We met his teacher. I don't want to do that job. Teachers don't get paid enough. Preschool teachers do not get paid enough. Now oh, yeah. add magic kids into that who just right? do all kinds of stuff. Well, I think, Ashley, you'll probably find out when Neil does get his letter because, come on, <laughs> there's a candidate. <laughs> it's Neil. <laughs> I wonder what house he's going to be in. He'd probably be a Slytherin or something. Just <laughs> all of us. He's definitely Slytherin or Ravenclaw. I think. After breakfast, they go down for Quidditch trips. This wow. is the scene that I like to refer to as the Norbert scene that happens in every book, where it... <laughs> irritates the shit out of me how it's almost like a spectacle and this spectacle starts off by us officially obviously he was in the slug club earlier but officially meeting he's like lockshart levels clagging yeah 
Or if you watch Game of Thrones, Dick on Tarly. Dick on Tarly? Wait, is he in Game yeah, of Thrones? That actor? Yeah, he was Dick oh, on. I didn't recognize him then. <laughs> His name was Dick on? <laughs> yep. I mean, he may be pretty, but I still don't want my dick on him. Oh, so. was he Sam Tarly's brother? Yep. Okay. Yeah, I'm not going to go any further there because I'll never get Adam to watch the full series, but I might be able to talk him into a couple of the first series. <laughs> <laughs> it won't really matter, but... That guy's a piece of shit. Yeah, I already knew that I would not like this motherfucker, but reading it now, I almost hate him more. And he really is at Lockchart levels. Um, him not being like, a main villain by any means but oh my god i want to like drown this guy in a river he's so delusional about his skill even Um, though like he is good but if you're that good then why were you not on the team because he puked up a pound of doxy eggs the year before this guy is the dunning kruger effect right here there it is it feels frat boy to me frat boy in the absolute worst way that's a good definition the way that you said it ashley is like the chef's kiss of how I want to communicate that 1000%. We also have talked a lot, Ashley. I know by this point, we've heard a little bit. We talk about how like Bellatrix is horny, at least in the movie. Um, yeah. When we see her. And this being like the horny book. It's okay. worth noting during all of the chaos of these Quidditch trials, obviously with Cormac McLaggen and he has the hots for Hermione and all of that. And then we have Ramil Devane. She's being brought up enough where you know that there's something with her. Mm-hmm. And every time she's brought up, you know you're not supposed to like her and it's working. And the third person, and you know, this is, was more of a note for me in the next chapter, but I think I'm going to say it now. The third person is Lavender Brown. And I came into this book thinking I would be more annoyed with her than I am, but now rereading it and looking at it from her point of view and the fact that honestly, to this point, she has not been annoying at all. I, I'm interested to continue to watch the movie and see if in the movie they have her act more annoying than she is in the book. Because looking at it from yeah. this point of view, it's been cute, honestly, up to this point. She just has a crush on Ron. and yeah, She doesn't bother me that much, you know? I rem- always remember her being like, oh my god, I can't stand her in this book. But true when you have several different things. This Again, this is in the next chapter, but Ron has the hots for Madame Rose Murda. And then there's this Horcormic McLagan thing. And Ramilda Bane. And all of the like gross feeling stuff lavender gross teenage hormones yeah like she sees ron and she has a big smile on her face i'm like okay come on i wanted to put that out there because i know i've already talked multiple times about oh my god lavender ron has a big thing in this book i feel my tune already changing on that well i think it's actually sweet doesn't she tell him like oh good luck ron on the way to quidditch tryouts and then you know we find out what hermione does and i'm like you know what i think lavender gave him a little you know, well, pick me up there. Yeah. He didn't need that extra from Hermione. I mean, bless her heart. She really wanted that for him, but wow. he could have done it on his own. It was sweet. Yeah. There's also this big comparison of Ron and Cormac and Cormac being, you know, the strapping young lad, the one who all the ladies prefer and seeing this. <laughs> well, like traditionally that feels like how it's supposed to be, like how it's being set up. Because obviously, like, oh my God, I would choose Ron any day over this motherfucker. <laughs> but right? truly, it's so nice to see things almost like in Ron's favor happen throughout all of this. Mm-hmm. After reading these two chapters, both this and the next one, I really changed my tune. I was like, you know what? 
Obviously, I know where that this doesn't go anywhere, but so far, I'm all for it in the book. Mm-hmm. I think she's cute here. You know, she, she's cute. She, she progresses to a little too melodramatic, but, you know, she's cute. Who isn't a little melodramatic with their yeah. crush at 16? Exactly. Right? Now, the rest of this Quidditch tryout yeah. is it's fucking nuts. chaos. It did make me giggle. It is. And it's like, Puffs. Come on, guys. Why are there Hufflepuffs and Ravenclaws there? Like, it's like they're fucking around with, I mean, they're not fucking around with Harry. They are, but they aren't. Because Hermione, I think, even said, like, look, they're coming out not because the Quidditch team is popular. It's because it's of him. And she's 100% correct. Yeah, they're yeah. by Harry. That's when I said he's so sweet and dumb. He's like, I don't know why the team's so popular. And she's like, Harry, you a hottie now. Come on. <laughs> and Ron's like, but me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tall. <laughs> yes! Oh my, my, my favorite thing about Ron in this book, because he doesn't actually realize he has a crush on Hermione. Like, he doesn't realize what his feelings are. And that is why I always want to be like, oh, Ron, we're giving you the benefit of the doubt because you don't fucking understand. Yeah. And then, like, yeah. hearing her say these things about Harry and how he gets so jealous, it's so cute. Once again... I'm going to talk about something in the movie, but there is this moment where he and Cormac are talking and you just want to throttle Cormac even more in the movie. And he says something about like getting to know Hermione on a first name basis. And Ron kind of gives him this look like you are so disgusting. (laughs) And then you kind of see where the trajectory goes from there. And it's one of those moments where it truly is like, he doesn't realize that he has this crush because I think it goes deeper than just like, uh keep your filthy mitts away from my friend and then then that love triangle aspect of like lavender in the bleachers and it's like lavender and luna and hermione all watching at the same time i'm like look see ron has like a little even though he was rude as fuck to hagrid earlier he has a little like posse and i love it so what i really do enjoy during the tryouts is harry obviously he doesn't know that mcclagan was confunded the way Harry handles that when McClacken's like, no, I want this. And he like throws a fit and Harry's like, no, Harry wants to choose Ron. But this also makes me think that if McClacken had been better, he would have chosen McClacken. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like Harry would have been very fair. There's a tenseness in the scene that I think is important to be there. It shows that Harry has some dignity. If it was very clear that, oh, I'm just going to choose my friend, then I don't think that, that there would be that tenseness. And as much as we despise McClagan, at the very least, like his like pompousness does play off of that really well. And then they go down to see Hagrid. Yep. And <laughs> go see Hagrid, yeah. My heart well, breaks when Harry talks to Buckbeak and he's like, Are you missing Sirius? And I'm like, it's so sad. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah, you know, we took a couple chapters off of, like, mentioning Sirius every chance we get. And Harry doesn't happens. say Sirius's name. He just says to Buckbeak. He just says, you miss him too. Missing right? him. Well, him, him so referring to Sirius, like, that's just the underlying thing in this entire book is, oh, yeah, remember, he died. I just think that that's really sad and sweet, remembering that Hagrid wasn't always the one who had Buckbeak. You know, it's like last book, Buckbeak was with Sirius. And like the book before that, Buckbeak was with Sirius. And like that relationship, Harry sees Buckbeak and that's what he does, you know. This entire scene is, there's so much emotion in it. Obviously, 
Hagrid pops his head out of the door and sees that it's them and immediately is like, oh, it's you three, and then slams the door and won't let them in. And I think at first you could say, okay, this is where like Hagrid is being like the big child, like we always see him be. But first of all, I want to preface this by saying this is a scene where I think that both Harry and Hagrid are right. Right isn't the right word. I just, I see the validity of how both of them feel. Hagrid has been able to like count on these kids in every single way. And now they're not in his class. And because he is so sensitive, he is totally allowed to feel this way and that he's been almost like abandoned by that. Um, I imagine is what he feels. But at the same time, I really do love Harry like going up and knocking the door and being like, okay, bitch, like we're going to talk about this like adults. And he blows the door off. And then Hagrid's like, I'm a teacher. Come on in. Have some pastries. He's still hospitable. And I just really, really enjoy it, yeah, even yeah. though there is a lot of emotion. I also feel that even though Hagrid, yeah, he's kind of a big baby. You know, he is literally a gentle giant about these kids. He's just channeling his sadness and his frustration with the fact that this giant spider in the woods that he's known and loved for years and years, I think he's just channeling that toward them more than being that angry at them. Because he gets Mm -hmm. over pretty quickly when they say, oh, you know, Professor Grubbly Plank, she was terrible. Then, as I said, they were lying through their teeth about that. Oh, we didn't learn a thing. We didn't like that at all. No, he's channeling that at them because they're the convenient source right there that is true yeah when i read this chapter i'm always like hagrid you know better but i also like i'm glad that he gets to have that moment and i'm glad that the kids are like no we're not like harry handles it Mm -hmm. and if we think back through the series there's never really been a need for it to be handled quite like this but like hermione and ron have always been more of like a they're there kind of presence Harry has always needed Hagrid to be his there, there presence. So Harry is kind of, he has to be the strong one there and has to be like, no, we're fucking doing this. Stop it. You know? When you say they're there, you mean like a comforting Yeah. When he was dealing with all the Buckbeak stuff, Hermione was like at his side doing all that stuff for him. But when he takes Hermione and Harry to meet Grop, Harry's like, are you kidding? No, we can't do this. Like he doesn't go... Yeah, Hagrid will do whatever you need. They're all just so much stronger because of each other. And I really just love this moment because Harry could have been like, Hagrid, we're sorry through the door. But instead he was like, nah, yeah, we're going to just, we're not doing this. Uh-uh. It does go back to like what I said previously too about like, hey, I'm not going to be ignored, but especially because like we're friends, like I might not be in your class. And there's that little like, it's, it's kind of cute, honestly, where Harry's like, sir. And yeah it just shows that yeah you're a teacher but there's more than that you know mm-hmm. also can we talk about how this is the third time in this book where we have witnessed a wizard barging their way into somebody else's house <laughs> <laughs> everyone's just barging their way into places yeah Dumbledore might as well be able to operate into people's houses after all hey we already talked about that that might have been cut out that might be in a cutting room floor i was like it's so impolite i would operate to your front door yeah but apparently that's not what these fuckers would do they're like here i am in all of those cases it's like they operate to the door and they're like i'm coming in anyway (laughs) (laughs) right so yeah they did come to the door And then they let themselves in. (laughs) Yes, yes, exactly. And hey, in the instance of Dumbledore and the Dursleys, he conjured his own refreshment with like the dancing wine glasses. Poor Bob Ogden to get any at that poor old ass house. 
And then in this case, Hagrid is just like, oh, you're here, have some tea, which I also really just like. Like, even though he's in his feelings, even though, like, I do agree, Aragog is the other big part of that. I, that's the bigger issue. At yeah. yeah. It does just show, I have guessed, even though they blew off my door. <laughs> yeah. Um, Time for tea. <laughs> so British. Yeah. We can't Very- ignore this, obviously. And Ashley, thank you for putting this in your thing. But reading this chapter after the passing of Robbie Coltrane 2 was like coincided in a really like tender way. The day when I learned that, somebody else texted me and told me, and I was like, oh my God, I don't know if I can tell Tara. When I saw you posting about it, Tara, I was like, oh my God, I felt so bad. Like, I knew that you would have a reaction to it. and I was just sad. I mean, you know, Robbie Coltrane, also kind of a turf, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. you still want to, like, recognize what people have symbolized. Yeah, it's fucking um, Hagrid. And also, I'm sorry, that quote that you said about I won't be here, but Hagrid will. I'm like, fuck you. I remember <laughs> watching that in, in the anniversary special and I was like, you know. Yeah. There was one thing I saw online that somebody had, this was a very evil thing for them to do, that, but they took all of like the dead people from throughout the series. Mm-hmm. Helen McElroy, the guy who sang MacArthur Park, Richard Harris. <laughs> First Dumbledore. <laughs> And they had them like up in the sky and it said, come join us, Hagrid. And there was Robbie Coltrane at the bottom. I was like, that is a cruel thing to make. <laughs> just to symbolize like all the people that we've lost from the series. Anywho, yeah. just wanted to acknowledge that, of course. And it was very timely that I had to write the thing. I could have written it earlier, but I didn't. I did it last night. So. Hey, I wrote mine earlier today. So you beat me. <laughs> I didn't write one. I was driving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Like, it's my turn to take off. <laughs> Coming out of this really frustrating Quidditch match, even though it did turn out, you know, fine. Here he got his team. I really love this scene between the two of them. Mm-hmm. One thing that I neglected to say earlier when they were talking about Stan Shunpike, said it right that time, Hannah's mom died. Which oh, I'd forgotten. Me I too. forgot that was in this chapter where she was just yeah. taken out of class one day. Yeah. Tell her that. Yeah. That maybe is even more of a poignant thing to bring up than Dan, yeah. because it just really shows. Part of this is because of Puffs, how Susie Bones, like that's part of her character even written into that. And we see Amelia Bones, obviously. We don't yeah. see it, we hear about it. But seeing this happen again now, it's barely mentioned, but it's such an important thing to bring up. I did not remember that that happened. And I don't think that she's in the rest of the book, but we'll see. I know that she's in the seventh book. But yeah. I don't. She has to, She has to hook up with Neville. After all, they do end up together. So um, at the end of the chapter, but that's really all that's left. Harry gets to inhale food for a second, and then, well, no. First, it. Slughorn is like, "Come have dinner with me," and I'm like, "Come on, Slughorn." Harry yeah. told you that he has detention. He's like, "I'm going to talk Snape out of it." And I just love how Harry's no. like, no, you won't be able to. That's like, he just knows. Yeah. Harry's like, do you have to, you don't need to pound the nail in the coffin. I already know. Right. Like, he's going to Seriously. Also, like, can you, I'm just trying to picture the scene between Slughorn and Snape where he goes to Snape and he's like, listen, um, I just want Harry to come to a party. <laughs> you know what Snape's it is? reaction? It's going to be Slughorn being like, hey, so Harry and Snape is just no. And then Slughorn's <laughs> like, but, 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 but no. No. Out. <laughs> like that's, that's exactly <laughs> what I'm in that instance, I'm not saying, well, 
I have a little bit more to say about this whole like Slughorn thing. But in that instance, like I do kind of appreciate Snape's approach because that's exactly like what I would make him do. Even though like- Really, you really think that, and Harry obviously is like, yeah, I know that that, that's not happening. Yeah, he's looking around like, you you really don't need to say, I do not want to be invited to this party. Don't, don't bring it up, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Please don't. that's what I was gonna say like if I were in Harry's shoes this day has been long arduous and exhausting and like the last thing I would want to do is go to a party you know actually here in Cleveland there is a West 117th field house which sounds like it's sports but it's actually a new like gay community complex in Lakewood and the grand opening of it and originally I was planning on going tomorrow but because of this week I'm just like I think I'm gonna need to cocoon tomorrow I really really do (laughs) Not that picking out rotten bugs or whatever it was that Snape had assigned Water for detention. Worms, is it? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, not that that is like cocooning, <laughs> but I'm like, you know I'm, what? At the very least, I get some time to myself, hopefully, and I'm going to bring those like protective gloves. I kind of agree. Like, it sucks to go to detention, but if you've had a long day and all you're doing is sorting flabber worms, it's kind of mindless. You can just like, turn your brain off sometimes you need to do that and oh well you have to do it in detention listen to a podcast while you're sorting out those dead bugs that's right we didn't talk about this but i mentioned it in my thing real quick how they're expected to do nonverbal spells who is teaching them the theory on nonverbal spells they're just expected to do them mm-hmm. exactly he doesn't teach them a fucking thing they just say you need to do this without talking how what are you supposed yeah. to con what is the trick what's the thing that makes it click for them right yeah. not just like okay suddenly we have to do this non-verbally like we see snape do in defense against the dark arts and then they have to do it in all their other classes you would think that mcgonagall or flitwick who are right? teaching you know practical things would maybe be teaching them some stuff but we don't get to see it so we don't believe it happens <laughs> yeah that's what i'm i would think mcgonagall would say you know here's the theory behind it now apply it to whatever but I'm guessing they don't do that and they look like they're trying to poop and it's not working. So. Yeah, absolutely. We talked about that in the episode where Snape says, okay, now do this. And I didn't even realize this when we were reading it, but Tara pointed out, he's just like, okay, time to practice. And uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty crazy. Based on the fast pacedness of it and even like how Hermione had to like ask McGonagall to like repeat questions. I can almost imagine that like McGonagall or Flitwick, based on the information we have, may have gone over it and then kind of moved on. Like, okay, we have more material to cover. I've had professors and teachers and stuff like that. Two other things that I have in this chapter, one of them is, you know, we have had thoughts about a lot of the actions that the trio are doing. And honestly, I've been pretty supportive of a lot of them and I'm still supportive of this one. We were supportive of Harry utilizing the prince's book. And then we (laughs) were supportive of him blowing off Hagrid's door. Honestly, I'm not mad at Hermione for confunding Cormac at all. Fine. (laughs) I think that if you really look at the situation, Harry, even like the way he admonishes her, he's not mad at her. Yeah. He's definitely like, I'm on to you. He's like smirking at her. He's like, I know Mm -hmm. you him. You didn't need to do that. It's a really great moment in their friendship too, just yeah. to kind of like see that they have that together. But I'm not really mad at her either. I'm like, that kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. But like they even have the conversation, like you didn't want someone like that on the team. You can't have a person like that on their team, even if they're maybe the better player. Yeah. 
yeah. and see later he loses games for them doesn't yeah. he lose a game for them because he's such an idiot yeah yeah, yeah. And I think Harry probably would have, through no fault of his own, had Cormac also saved the five, he probably would have chosen Cormac because he is a better player. And Harry would have been like, it wouldn't have looked fair for him to choose his best friend over this guy yeah. who's actually a better player. So it kind of just worked out the way it should have. Yeah, when it comes down to like team dynamics, I had thought of this exact thing and you kind of both kind of touched on it. It doesn't matter how good he is. If he isn't a fit with the rest of the team, like there's got to be that camaraderie there. Now, what my question is, like if he loses it, does somebody have to drop off the team? I don't remember. Do you remember when Ron gets poisoned? Oh, that's right. That's why I'm skipping way, way ahead. That's why Cormac, he does play at some point. I hate it. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I'm not going to look forward to that. But the last thing I have is where I have at the very end of the chapter. And that is where we realize that the Malfoy house was raided based on this anonymous tip. So my question is, it's not really a question. It's more of just, I guess, an observation. In this case, obviously, they put great lengths in security, which is wonderful, both in and out, which we see in the next chapter. And I'm like, cool whatever. It's all great. The hindsight here, of course, and there's always hindsight at Hogwarts, is nobody thought to like look in the building for anything that could have been damaging. Because like, clearly, the tool that we'll get more into, especially in the next chapter and throughout the rest of the book, is the vanishing cabinet. And that's likely what happened. Yeah, I believe they figure that out later on. It feels like so classically Hogwarts of like, oh, we're gonna try to do the right thing oh, wait, we fucked up before we even got started by not starting internally. That's how we roll at Hogwarts. Remember that oh, yeah. giant snake in the basement? You know. <laughs> the phone is, the, the, oh my God. I was about to say the phone is always calling from inside the house. <laughs> <laughs> at this point, I don't think that Harry is being too obsessive. Not quite yet, no. Not quite. I am still at this point annoyed with Ron and Hermione for not indulging his concerns there will be a point where i'm like okay i get it i know why you're not because it's annoying but right now i'm still in that space so today's game is a new one and i am taking inspiration from a tiktok filter i'm going to call this one alphabet soup something that tara and i have done in the past is one word at a time and stuff like that in order to like recap what happens in one of the chapters well i saw someone do this tiktok where they were telling a story using this alphabet filter where if you can see it when i tap the screen you can barely see it probably but little letters <laughs> pop up well i don't want to play the sound but basically you tap it and little letters come out so what okay. i would like the two of you to do is recap the quidditch <laughs> tryouts but i'm going to interrupt you guys in the middle And every time I do, you're going to switch to the other person. And you have to start with the letter that I give you that is randomized by this app. So for example, if I was telling a story about like, the other day, Tara was like, I'm hungry. I need to make dinner. What do I have in my pantry? Oh, all I have are potatoes. Well, I'm going to make the letter I got was I. I would have to think of something that begins with I to continue my story. Does that make sense? Sure. We'll try it. See what happens. Now you're just making me think of potatoes, things that start with I, and it's just Idaho potato blank. Well, there you go. That's what it should have been. Idaho potato. Like, I couldn't think of what that was. Let me have you. 
This just means you're gonna be better at this game than I would be, but technically I'm more of the moderator of this game. Okay. So, so let's go ahead and start with Ashley since she's our guest. And the letter that you begin with is F. What, how the fuck to start this? I think that's how you start it. With that word. How the fuck do you start this? These fucking Quidditch tryouts. They are so fucking busy. <laughs> that Harry gets these kids, these groups. How many people is it again? It's like half the school is trying to try out for the Gryffindor Quidditch team. And so he finally divides them up. Tara, your letter is N. Noticing that this was actually a very good idea because there are so many fucking people. So he has them fly in all these groups. And that's when he learns that there's an entire group of Hufflepuffs and a bunch of little baby Gryffindor girls that are not actually interested in Quidditch. And then randomly, he just goes, what the fuck, guys? Who is not your letter is B. What the fuck, guys? B. You're getting all the good letters, honestly. Um, <laughs> bitches, get off that broom. <laughs> get off your brooms. I could have started with brooms. Anyway... <laughs> No, I think you started the right way. You can't fly. Get off those brooms, and they all go happily off and giggle away and, and what have you. And he finally manages to get a few people together that he's had before, or some good ones. So yay for that! But it's raining, and he's Tara. He's your letter is T. Trying to <laughs> save Keeper for last so that people are not nervous. And by people, I mean Ron, because he is still catering to Ron and he knows that his strengths are not when people are watching him. But that does not go well. Harry, you failed at that one. And so <laughs> then he starts having Keeper tryouts and it's down to Ron and Cormac, who is annoying. Ashley, your letter is M. McClagan oh, has all never mind. <laughs> your, your letter is actually D. <laughs> Now you're changing the rules. The app said M, so fine, I guess. <laughs> McClagan manages to, what? what is it, four? He saves four out of five. And then all of a sudden goes all funny. And our friend Ron here, he saves all five goals. And he's they've got a keeper and they've got a team. Tara, your letter is A. Asshat. AKA McLaggen is like, what do you mean? I'm not the fucking keeper. I'm so good and good looking. And Ginny didn't try. And Harry's like, are you fucking kidding me? Ginny is the best player on this team. Bye. Also, I'm going to marry her one day, fucker. And that's it. <laughs> Ashley, take us out with one more P. P. P is your letter. You know what to do with this. P. And he says, piss off, McLaggen. <laughs> I'll take it. The end. <laughs> So we can talk about the movie now. We can. The way that they chose to film it with like just a cluster of people being fucking crazy and Ron and Ginny are just like standing there patient is exactly how I feel about this chapter. <laughs> can we talk about how Harry is like, I don't know how to talk to people and I'm very nervous. And then Ginny's like, hey, everyone shut the fuck up. Yes, and that wasn't in the book, but I love that they did that. I do too. I love badass Ginny, as we yeah, all know. Because that, that is, is so Ginny too. That two minutes on YouTube, I watched Ginny saying, shut it! <laughs> so good. When Cormac comes up, the word is swagger. Like, very clearly. It yeah. is. I so gross. punch him so bad. Oh, Granger. Ooh. I'm like, you get out of here. 
cannot stand men like that in general. Really confident men. Oh, I can't stand them. Oh. People say there's a fine line between cocky and confidence. I don't know how yeah. fine it is, honestly, <laughs> yeah. because he's 100% cocky. And I mean that in two different ways, obviously, because he's also <laughs> a giant dick. But that's also the scene, of course, where we get Ron, when he says the first name basis thing that I mentioned earlier, and Ron gives him this look of like, you are gross. And I'm like, yes. Yeah. Yes, Ron, yeah, you with that little helmet of yours. It almost seems like they did try to make Ron look less handsome by comparison because he is a little bit sweatier and he's wearing that helmet and everything. So that juxtaposition is something that I noticed a lot about in the scene. And then other than the actual action shots showing the two of them and all of that and then Hermione whispering the charm. Mm -hmm. I also really like the shots of, again, I already mentioned it, but Lavender reacting and the whole scene really is just painted to make McLagan look like a huge what's something new that I haven't called yet this episode. <laughs> and then of course we don't get them going to Hagrid, but it's not really established in the movie, of course, that they aren't taking that class. I don't think we learn about Aragog dying until he dies, right? No, we don't. I have tons of points for this chapter. Some of these people we hadn't even like mentioned, but uh, first of all, plus 20 to Harry and Hagrid. Harry, because it was this chapter where we didn't also didn't really talk about it, but their books came, or is that the beginning of the next chapter? I mentioned it chapter. their potions books come. Yeah, and yeah. Harry swaps out the, the covers. Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. So sure. the fact that he does that, I like that. I like that he like breaks down Hagrid's door, but is still a good friend. He also gets through that chaotic Quidditch tryout mess. And then Hagrid, because he is in a lot of feelings and stuff, but he's still being the like Hagrid that we know and love. So to both of them, 20. And then plus 10 to Hermione, because I like that she fucked over Cormac. So plus five to Lavender, Ginny, Kitty Bell, Ginny Peaks, Richie Coot, Demilza Rollins. I think it's Demilda, Demilza Robin? Rollins. Demilza Rollins? That girl. Basically everyone who made the team. And then also to Buckbeak and Hannah and Grubbly Plank. We mentioned all of them because we love all of them also. And like, obviously like with Hannah and her mom and everything. No points to Ron. He did make the team, but at the beginning, I was really bothered about him being like, Hagrid's class sucks. So that canceled out. Ron really canceled himself out a lot in this chapter. He, he does. Like, he was smart and dumb and like, you know, less than a paragraph. Right. That's right. It was a roller coaster for Ron. But <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, we Ron. still love Ron, but yeah. no points. Just a warning. And then negative points. It's very simple. Negative five to Ramilda because she was there for a split second. I don't like that bitch. And negative 30 to Cormac McLaggen because I hate him even more. Uh, next time. We will be discussing chapter 12, which 12. is called Silver, Silver oh. and Opals. Sounds like the drag queen is coming to Hogwarts. <laughs> I mean, that we might already know that character. Like, it could be so many people. It could be Dumbledore. It could be Madame Rose Murda. It could be Hagrid. It could be Rita Skeeter. We don't know. Who is the drag queen of Hogwarts? Find out next episode. And Ashley will still be here. Yay! Yes. Yes. See you next time, friends. Bye. Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to rate us five stars on your listening app of choice and share us with all your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Yes. 
Join our social media pages. Facebook, Instagram. I never update Twitter, but we have that. We do. Also email basicsnitches at gmail.com. We also now have a website, basicsnitches.com. And a Patreon, patreon.com slash basicsnitches. Join today and get exclusive content every week and be acknowledged in every single one of our episodes. Taryn Telegra, dance bitch. I see you new friends who don't make me dance for nothing. Yeah, they ain't gonna come, right? We out!